0: Welcome back to Sporting Goss on this Thursday, very wet and bleak Thursday, ahead of the finals action here at Optus Stadium. Of course, uh, something we've introduced over the last couple of weeks is Who Am I? And we've tracked down our guests on Who Am I. We had Ben McKinley last week, of course, who was the leading goal kicker of the West Coast Eagles and now doing good things in the law region over there in Victoria. And yesterday's hints were as follows. I played more than 150 games. I retired before I was 29, just. Played for three clubs. My first game for my first club was actually uh, eventually up against my second club, and my first game for my third club was uh, was also against my second club, if that all makes sense. I played for three clubs. In one game, I had 37 touches, kicked five goals against North Melbourne. I didn't get a Brownlow medal vote. And then I have the story about running home. The answer, and many of you got it yesterday, was John Ania, and he's been kind enough to join us. J.A., blast from the past. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, look, uh, n- nice to catch up. <laughs> so, J.A., did you know that your first game for Collingwood in the A- VFL back then, AFL, uh, VFL, yep. was against Richmond and your first game yep. for West Coast was against Richmond?
1: No, no, I didn't realise that. So that's, uh, <laughs> I'll tuck that one away. <laughs> so you, book, yeah, you book no, ended that, the that, Tigers? Yeah, yeah. Now, I remember the first game at Collingwood, I'd sort of... Um, I've been out for most of the year with a shoulder reconstruction, and uh, and I think Tommy let me loose with about ten minutes to go, and I ran into a bloke called Rod Oborn, oh, who was a yeah. rickety fella, and then subsequently had a couple of weeks um, on the on the sidelines, it was a little bit unruly. So my poor uncle came all the way over from Calguri to watch this game, and <laughs> and saw my ten minutes and one kick, and then getting reported. So it wasn't the greatest. Start. I hear all these other guys that come out and. Yeah, you know, their first kicks a goal. Mine was quite the opposite. Yeah, you
0: got yeah. the one. You got the one kick in that game. I, I saw that, uh, and one free yeah. and one free kick against. Was that the Was that the incident? I think it was. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. very <laughs> hey, costly. Hey,
0: J.A., yeah. hey, in in 1982, and I, I go through the bizarre stats. John Anier, our guest on Sporting Goss, there was a couple of games that you played in your second year with Collingwood, and I go to Footscray round three, and then I go down further to round 18 against Essen. Have a listen to this. Against Footscray, you gave away six free kicks. And I would have thought, well, gee, six free kicks, that's that's tough going. Then go down to Sydney, round 18, you gave away eight free kicks in a game.
1: Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not good, is it? <laughs> well, I can't really,
0: well, you're I a can't really put
1: any self penance on. Yeah. <laughs> now, I've got to say, there was a lot of... Useful exuberance in those days and um and and mind you mind you like we did to mckenna and worse us older guys um i was a little bit prone to be wound up and um um the likes of magro and worthington were always ones to get into our ear to go a bit harder mm. and um we thought we had to please those sorts of fellas because they were sort of pretty hardcore units. And um, anyway, it was very costly. Ah, so, well, uh, it, yes. But uh, it was a pretty pretty tough time that one, because Tommy, um, who'd made such an impression on us fellas, um, you know, as a coach, yeah, because he was sort of so fit and being in the gym, mm-hmm. this is Tommy Hayfie. And then sort of mid-season, there was a coup. And uh, poor old Tommy, you know, the, the older players are just, sort of got a bit stale with his training methods. And uh, so, yeah, so there was a mid-season coup. And um, so it sort of rocked the place a bit because uh, he'd really left a a real impression on all us younger fellas, you know, for, for years to come. And um, anyway, they sort of put in a, the second's coach, Miku and for a bit, and then got a guy called John Cale um, over from Adelaide. Um yeah, so it's a bit, bit of an up and down time there, but a great club.
0: Hey AJ, you never played a single finals game, you know, in more than 160 no. games.
1: No, no, you're right. And uh, uh, the where I missed out was was with West Coast, and um, that was in our second year with Toddy. And um, at the Western Oval, again, I pulled a – I ruptured a pec muscle. So that's your your big chest muscle. Yep. And I sort of did a tackle and uh, felt this ping go in my chest and – it was the most unusual feeling, and um, i couldn 't sort of lift my arm so it wasn 't like a dislocated shoulder, but all of a sudden I sort of put my hand up and I had literally had a boob because everything had just sort of recoiled mm. and um, I think the week after was the finals the, the first finals West yep. Coast were in, and um where we just got well oh, that was the infamous sort of point just at the very end of the game there where Melbourne pipped us, yeah, so that was just a bit of a just a, an unlucky unlucky sort of um, timing I guess to have that sort of injury
0: Talk about your footy journey and when you obviously came back to West Coast you you were an inaugural West Coast Eagle you'd been at Richmond and were a big part of what the Tigers had done I think you'd played every game in 86 mm. West Coast is formed um, how how keen were you to get back we know Glenn Dinning and Wiley and the like are at all sort of uh, sort of got gigs there. Uh, were you a part of that? So you're obviously part of that troop that came back to help set up the West Coast Eagles.
1: Yeah, look, it was a bit of a funny one because I, I was sort of um, a bit of a last add-on. Um, I, I'd resigned myself that I'd, I was going to stay in Melbourne um, and I'd started physiotherapy there and um, so, so I had a house all set up. Um, so I was really resigned there just to keep playing at Richmond and it wasn't, uh, but always and not really thinking that there was that opportunity to move back and then Mossy rang um, and just said look we we we're dying to f- we just need one more older guy um, and you'd fit the bill um, would you think about it so yeah, it was a bit of a tough one because I went back to Richard and said look this, this is sort of in reverse I guess you sort of said look would you mind if I could head home um, this is my chance to get home otherwise and I think I sort of did them a bit of a favour because, unbeknown to me, I think they 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 were in a bit of financial strife, and um, um, so so yeah, look, it, it all was just quite a seamless thing. I they they said, look, we'll let you go, um, and I had the the chance then to come back and sort of. You know, playing a state where my brothers and my parents live, so that that was a nice way to finish things off.
0: It certainly was. Now, just uh, I know uh, you can you, you can you cut to the chase and a story that you always get asked about the war the run home from the airport. Now, I've read quotes and I've heard different versions. I think Bluey throws a bit of mayonnaise on, and Worsfold and a few of the other boys <laughs> throw mayonnaise on. When was it? It was after a Geelong game. I've read. Was that it towards was. the back end yeah. of your career?
1: Uh, no, no, it was at the start. It was at the start. So, I, I was, you know, that was with Ron, and um, I was vice captain. And, but I played a shocker, and uh, and um, so yeah, look, I, I, I was in the midst of physio exams in those crazy days. They used to load up about fifteen exams in a term. It was just stupid, <laughs> and uh, so so my brain just exploding with all that stuff. Then, then we went down to Geelong, and. And I had a shocker. And um, so Ron took me off. I sat down, and froze. And then the bugger put me on with about five minutes to go. And on the departure from the field uh, early on when he took me off, I'd sort of did a bit of an unruly thing. And uh, so that player met me as I came back on and his brother. So a big stink started. The Simon finished. It was freezing cold. And I, I think I've had about a half a dozen looks umbrellas launched at me. So <laughs> I sort of went back into the rooms feeling like there was no love at all from Ron and anyone else. Sat on the plane and this just stewed up on me and uh sometimes I'd sort of go for a bit of a run after games just to sort of clear the air but um I didn't I miscalculated but I didn't realise my home was twenty one K from the airport. And so <laughs> and it wasn't till there was a bloke called Tom Stanicho, lovely bloke. Yeah. Um he spotted me running over the causeway in this the white business shirt, eagle shorts on, and socks, and he thought that's that's a bit unusual. So he parked the, <laughs> his car at the brewery, thinking, "I think that's who it is." Anyway, he hailed me down at the brewery. Said, "What are you doing?" And I said, Well, don't worry, Tommy, I'm fine." Um, and I, I wasn't far from home. And then the next minute, he's parked up near the university, <laughs> where that where that that fish outlet is often yeah, parked that yeah. van on weekends. <laughs> yeah. So he so then he's just making sure I was going to get home and I just waved and, and then it all started from there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, bit, bit, yeah, it, it was just one of those shocking days and I didn't know what to do to sort of get a bit of steam out. So.
0: I've tracked it down. So, you know, round, it be, round 12, yeah. Geelong, 9 and 87. You had 14 disposals. I think you might be talking about the Cameron boys who were the Geelong brothers? Is that what... No, the Hawking. Oh, okay. Was, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Steve, Steve and Buddha. Now, interesting, interesting enough, the following week... You picked up 30 touches and three Brownlow votes in a win over Fitzroy.
1: Well, there you go. There's no such thing as overtraining. <laughs> you better tell these exercises. You can do a half a marathon after a game and then you'll come up nice and
0: sprightly. Ah, very true. John O'Neill, yeah. our guest on Sporting yeah. Goss. Jay, what's your interest in football nowadays apart from watching?
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, I, what I What I've sort of just in the phase of completing is I've gone back and looked at my interest is breeding bulls and cattle. So I've got a little place down at Bustleton where I do that, and I've been doing that for a while. But when you buy a bull, there's about 24 measurable attributes about the bull. You know, it's, it's weight, it's birth weight, it's, believe it or not, you, you run a tape measure around. It's, um, it's family jewels. There's lots of measurements. Anyway, so I thought I'm going to sort of try and look at coaches in the last four years when I started playing in 1980 and I've, we've we've sort of created about 24 measurable things of a coach and we've looked at then the premiership coaches and seeing what stands out compared to all the other coaches have coached over the years so that's been a like a that's my own involvement in footy putting together this sort of sort of data and about to sort of, you know, um, you know, piece it together. So it's really interesting, you know, looking at, um, you know, coaches. You know, from a, what we've worked out is that there's a window of about five years. If you're going to be a successful premiership coach, it'll happen in five years. That that's the that's the average. And a couple of other interesting one is the majority of the successful coaches um, have all been premiership players. Now you take Clarkson, Williams, and Beveridge out. If you look at the last twenty years, you know that's about, you know, fourteen of them all being premiership um, um, players. So this is why we sort of did some predictions this year, and this is why Goodwin really stacks up. You know, he's played uh, a number of games that suffices this criteria. He's been a premiership player, and he's around about his fifth year. Um, yeah, so, just, so this has been sort of quite an interest, not sort of being around the Eagles anymore, um, but it's just sort of putting together this little this um, data and just see if there's a bit of a trend that comes of it.
0: Well, now you've talked about the bull and now you've talked about coaches. You're not running the tape measure around the crown jewels of the coaches as well, is <laughs> yeah. right? have, I, have I missed well, something here in translation? No the, only, <laughs> the only,
1: no, the only thing that really gets close to that is – um, there's a correlation with the family jewels. The majority of successful coaches have, have predominantly got daughters, not sons. So the, the the key to all that is if you can handle teenage daughters, you can handle forty five footy players. So that's um so that that's just again another very interesting trait. Um, the other one is you know, 33 percent of these coaches have been successful have all been teachers. They've had a teaching background. Um, so, so when you piece it all together, yeah, it's just quite <laughs> interesting.
0: <laughs> oh, so
1: get a teach get a teaching degree, have daughters, yep. then you can be an AFL coach. Win a premiership,
0: win a premiership, and have been in yeah, the system got for to be five a years. Player. Okay, yeah. you must be thrilled that uh, Rob Wiley got in- inducted into the Australian Football Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that was a that was a brilliant thing. He's um, and he was a ripper bloke. He, he was one that. i guess with him and ross Glendon played a a big part at the very start where they were um yeah they just had so much experience and um they've been premiership players so yeah i don't think you can get any higher than that um when they talk that the fact that they've been to the big dance so they really played an integral part um and everyone just learnt off them especially all the young players think well this guy's played that now of games and this is how he prepares himself and takes it seriously. And I think that, that rubbed off to that young group that then became very successful in the 92 and 94 premierships. It was really the likes of Glenn Dinning and Turner, Malaxis, um, that really sort of um, set some standards for the young ones to very quickly follow. So, yeah, I, I, it was just a great result for Robbie, that's for sure.
0: Thanks for taking our call today. Uh, a blast from the past, the Who Am I on the show yesterday, and a lot of people would love to know the, uh, hear the story and how it's all uh, how it's all going in the John and Neer life, mate. Appreciate your time and thanks for joining us today.
1: No, no problem at all. Thanks, thanks again. See
0: ya. There's John and Neer joining us, of course. He was yesterday's Who Am I? And he's got a wonderful story to tell. And he's uh, he's crystal balling the premiership in a very different method. Who the winning coach will be? Simon Goodwin, according to all his data. This is Sporting Goss.